It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, September 8, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Up ahead, both Newsom and his challengers galvanized last-ditch efforts in the final days of voting for the recall election on tonight's California Report. We'll take a brief look at local headlines and weather before Felton Pruitt speaks to FEMA's public affairs specialist, Robert Barker, and Corey Williams from the U.S. Small Business Administration. They'll discuss details of FEMA's individual assistance programs for those impacted by the River and Dixie fires. We close with a commentary by Chaplain Norris Burks. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The last day of voting in the recall election is this Tuesday. Governor Gavin Newsom was in San Francisco yesterday helping to mobilize Latino voters. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer was there. One small block of a side street in the Mission District was closed off and filled with tables where volunteers sat dialing voters in Spanish, urging them to vote. Governor Gavin Newsom reminded the crowd that replacing him with a conservative Republican like talk show host Larry Elder would have profound consequences, especially for immigrants. We will not support these policies. We will not embrace the xenophobia and the nativism and the fear of the other. We're better than that. Latinos comprise nearly 30 percent of California voters, but they've been a little slow to mail back their ballots so far. In the final push, campaigns for and against the recall are airing ads in Spanish, hoping to win over voters hit hard by the pandemic. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Meanwhile, Larry Elder, the top challenger to Newsom, visited gas stations yesterday in Los Angeles County and the Central Valley, drawing attention to high fuel costs in the state and slamming spending on high-speed rail. Now let's turn to people whose votes will decide the recall election. The California Report wanted to sample what voters were thinking on both sides of the recall question. So we hit the road. Our first stop was a pro-Newsom anti-recall rally in the L.A. County community of Culver City. Many voters there felt the recall campaign had become another front in national political battles. We need to save the democracy. This is outrageous. The idea that this has turned into a hydra. This is the pandemic. We've got assault on the rights for women. We've got voting rights being assaulted. This is just... It's like being in the twilight zone. And you think all of those really important issues are wrapped up in this recall fight? Everything is important right now. Everything is on the line. We're being assaulted on all fronts. It's like all hands on deck right now. I just think this is one of the most important votes for California right now, especially when it comes to climate change and getting rid of this pandemic and education, lots of things. As it's gone on, has this recall campaign even become more important to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I live in an area that's, um, although California is very liberal, the the neighborhood I live in is not. So I've seen recall things before for Democratic politicians, but I've never seen so much force behind a recall like this. And are there particular issues that are incredibly important to you right now when it comes to California? Yes. And the big one is COVID. I don't want us to become Florida. I don't want us to become Texas. It's very important for me to be here today because I do, first and foremost, believe in Gavin Newsom. I love Gavin Newsom's position on criminal justice reform. Uh, He's trying to do his best to end mass incarceration. 
he's created a budget surplus for California. And uh, I just believe that Gavin Newsom is a great guy. And if he were to be recalled, you fear all of that would be at stake? Yes. Criminal justice reform and everything else that's important to you? Yes, sir. I, I believe that all of the gains that we've made in California will be rolled back if uh, Gavin Newsom loses this election. Those were anti-recall voters Margaret Lewis, Linda Davidson, and Salim Allen. Now to pro-recall voters. We met them at a recall rally in the Ventura County community of Thousand Oaks, where Republican candidate Larry Elder was about to speak. Voters there felt the state was on the wrong track, from homelessness to its response to the pandemic. Uh, here to support my fellow patriots and to stand up for our liberties and our rights in California and vote the man out who's trampled all over our liberties and rights in California. How have your liberties and rights been trampled on and specifically? I am not allowed to go to certain places because I don't wear a mask. Um, in fact, I'm not allowed to go to many places. I'm not allowed to patronize my favorite restaurants, my shops. So you would like a recall to lead to what tangibly? to lead to a new person in that office who will stand up for individual liberties and rights and the Constitution. And, what and, and roll back those, those back pandemic those mandates. mandates in the process? Yep, absolutely. Uh, I don't think he's done a good job. I, I think it'd be, I, I'd be interested to see what somebody else can do. Um, the state has sort of been a one-party state for a long time, and I would just like to see uh, you know, some changes just in general overall. If Newsom were to be recalled and somebody else comes into office, whether it's Larry Elder or someone else, what would be what would be their job number one to you? I think um, job security, uh, economics, uh, and making sure the infrastructure of the, the state is well. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, issues with infrastructure, you know. And I, and I think it's because this has been a one-party state for a very long time. So California is trying to make it to where you're either poor or you're really rich. You're a millionaire. There's no in-between. Yeah. Yeah, the middle class is going to disappear. It's going to be poor and millionaires. And just final question, you're from out of state. You've lived here about six plus years, you said. Um, If the recall doesn't go the way you want it to, what do you do? We'll still stay here and fight until I can get my husband to move out of California. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) He's not. You just heard from pro-recall voters Debbie Cohen, Daniel Strang, and Christina Regine. Stay tuned for more coverage of the final days of the recall campaign on your local California public radio station. And finally, with much of California expecting above-normal temperatures today, the state's power grid operator is calling for a flex alert. Californians are asked to conserve energy from 4 this afternoon until 9 this evening. So maybe not a great time to use the washer or dryer or other big appliances within those hours. Heat advisories have been issued for parts of Northern and Southern California and across much of the Central Valley. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Blue Shield of California, Closing the health care gap since 1939, learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com.
And that's the California Report for Wednesday, September 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and talk tomorrow. In regional news, we are currently in a statewide flex alert until 9 p.m. this evening. California's system operator predicts triple-digit temperatures across much of the state will strain the power grid. The flex alert calls for people to conserve energy during this heat wave. As of Wednesday morning, the Union of Grass Valley reported the bridge fire under the Forest Hill Bridge in Auburn as 50% contained, with no growth overnight. The fire remains at 411 acres. Placer and Nevada County residents impacted by the river fire can connect with FEMA, Cal OES, and county representatives, as well as apply for assistance at FEMA's mobile registration intake centers, beginning tomorrow and continuing through September 12th. Centers will be at the Placer County Finance Administration Building in Auburn, Chicago Park Elementary School, and the Sierra Vista Community Center in Colfax. Residents of either county may visit any of the centers for assistance. Patty Ingram Spencer announced her candidacy to replace incumbent Dan Miller in the Nevada County Board of Supervisors. Miller has served as District 3 Supervisor since 2014 and has announced he is not seeking re-election. Spencer was previously mayor of Grass Valley and on its city council. Another former Grass Valley mayor, Lisa Swarthout, is also running for the seat. Today, the Yuba Water Agency Board of Directors approved a $15,000 grant for the Camptonville Community Services District to help them seek additional financial and technical support to ensure the community is better able to handle drought. Camptonville will use the grant to prepare a drought relief funding application through the California Department of Water Resources Small Community Drought Relief Program. The Nevada County Public Health Department has achieved national accreditation through the Public Health Accreditation Board. Quote, it is truly an honor to be recognized nationally for meeting these very high standards of excellence, says Jill Blake, Nevada County Public Health Director. To receive accreditation, a health department must undergo a peer-reviewed rigorous assessment process to ensure it meets or exceeds these quality standards and measures. Quote, on average, it takes a local health department three to five years to achieve accreditation, said Blake. Quote, it is a long road we have traveled, finding great value in a lengthy process that helped us to identify our strengths as well as areas where we could improve our performance, end quote. And now for regional weather and your air quality index. The National Weather Service has issued a heat advisory from now in effect until 9 p.m. this evening for most of our listening area. Expect highs in the 90s to around 105. In addition, a fire weather watch goes into effect late Thursday through 11 p.m. Friday for the northern Sierra Nevada, southern Cascades, and foothills, including the Dixie and Caldor fire areas. Be aware of gusty winds, low humidity, and possible lightning, all of which create fire-prone conditions. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 70. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 92. There's a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms tomorrow evening after 11 p.m. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 15. Tomorrow, good as well with a potential AQI of 41. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 53. Tomorrow, a slight chance of showers with thunderstorms possible after 11 a.m. 
mostly sunny with a high near 84. Current air quality is unhealthy with an AQI of 177. Tomorrow, moderate with a potential AQI of 55. And for our friends to the south in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 69. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and hot with a high near 96. Current air quality is moderate with an AQI of 54. Tomorrow, good with a potential AQI of 25. Up next, Felton Pruitt speaks to FEMA's public affairs specialist, Robert Barker, and Corey Williams from the U.S. Small Business Administration. They'll discuss the details of FEMA's individual assistance programs for those affected by the River and Dixie fires. Placer and Nevada County residents impacted by the River fire can connect with FEMA, as well as apply for assistance at FEMA's mobile registration intake centers. We're talking with Robert Barker, the public affairs specialist for Region 9 of FEMA, as well as Corey Williams from the United States Small Business Administration. And we're going to be talking about the uh, FEMA individual assistance programs, which are going on this Friday and Saturday in our area. Uh, Why don't we start with Robert, and why don't you explain exactly what the uh, FEMA individual assistance program is? Yeah, so it's disaster assistance for the affected individuals, families, and businesses in the declared counties of Nevada County, Placer County, Lassen, and Plumas. So it's folks that have been affected by both the River Fire and the Dixie Fire. And they may apply for assistance if you are uninsured or underinsured, uh, your primary residence uh, that was damaged or destroyed by one of those two fires. So we have the individual assistance uh, program. There are a few different ways that one can apply. Uh, you can apply either online at disasterassistance.gov through the telephone number 800-621-3362. That's 800-621-FEMA or through the FEMA app. But we're having a, a live presence in Grass Valley this weekend. We are going to be there in uh, what we call an MRIC, a mobile registration intake center. So what it is is FEMA personnel are going to be there to help with registration and answer any questions about disaster assistance programs. You know, some folks like to do their, their, their own thing independently and, and maybe online, but some like to communicate in person with another person face-to-face that can take as much time as you need to answer all your questions about FEMA programs. So we're going to be out there Friday, September the 10th at Chicago Park Elementary School and Saturday, September 11th and Sunday, September 12th. There are two different eligibility requirements. Um, primarily, it's that the disaster losses were in the presidentially declared area. So your primary residence had to be within Nevada or Placer County uh, with regard to the river fire. Uh, also, you have to be a U.S. citizen. Uh, your damaged home is a place the majority of the year. It's not it's your primary residence. It's not a, uh, a rental uh, property that you use maybe on Airbnb or a vacation home. Also, if your home is inaccessible and not livable due to disaster, you may be eligible for FEMA um, individual assistance. So most folks are receiving from us uh, housing assistance uh, through, it's through a housing assistance program, and it's a rental assistance. So it's assistance to rent temporary housing while the disaster caused damages, or repairs, excuse me, are being made to the uh, primary residents uh, while folks are transitioning to their permanent housing. But there's also funds for home repair and home replacement. So that's the housing assistance bucket. And then there's also the other needs assistance uh, that's available for folks. 
and they could potentially uh, qualify for the replacement of personal property like furnishings and appliances and assistive equipment if uh, someone has a disability. Also, any medical or dental uh, expenditures that were caused by the disaster, child care, transportation, and, uh, and much more. So we, we partner uh, with, with federal agencies kind of uh, uh, across government, and there's none other we partner uh, with most than the U.S. Small Business Administration. So they offer low-interest disaster loans to homeowners and renters in the declared disaster area. Uh, just the name alone is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, you do not need to be a business to apply. So that's why we have Corey Williams on the line to, uh, to help provide more information about the SBA. Corey, you want to go ahead now and talk to uh, what type of uh, necessity there is for businesses to apply? Yeah, well, thank you so much, Felton, for having Robert and I on. Again, Corey Williams, Public Information Officer with the U.S. Small Business Administration's Office of Disaster Assistance. And, you know, just as Robert alluded to, one of the main questions that homeowners and renters ask whenever, uh, you know, any kind of disaster strikes is, why SBA? I don't have a business. Well, in times of disaster, SBA is able to help out not only businesses of all sizes, but nonprofits, homeowners, and renters. So homeowners can actually borrow up to $200,000 to repair or replace disaster damage real estate and up to $40,000 to repair or replace disaster damage personal property, which would also include any automobiles that may have been damaged as a result of these devastating wildfires. And our interest rates for our homeowners is as low as 1.5%. Six three percent, and also our renters can borrow up to forty thousand dollars to repair, replace disaster damage personal property, which would include any kind of personal property damage. And again, interest rates are as low as one point five six three percent. Well, we certainly thank uh, both of you for giving us information so that uh, folks can start signing up and getting some help. Robert, why don't you uh, just recap real quick what's going on on Saturday? Yeah, so we have mobile registration intake centers in Nevada County, so they're being Grass Valley on Friday, September 10th, Saturday, September 11th, and Sunday, September the 12th at Chicago Park Elementary School. Uh, that's on Mount Olive Road in Grass Valley. So the, the times are different. On Friday, it's going to be from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Female personnel are going to be out there to assist with registration and also to answer any questions you have about human disaster assistance programs. And if people can't make it out to uh, the, the place on Saturday, uh, how can they get in touch with you to get more information? Yep, a great way to get in touch with us. Probably the best way is through disasterassistance.gov, where you can find resources on the SBA and other uh, federal assistance. Alternatively, survivors can call the phone number 800-621-3362. That's 800-621-FEMA, or apply through the FEMA app. Gentlemen, thank you so much. We've been talking with Robert Barker from FEMA and Corey Williams from the USBA. We close with a special commentary by military and healthcare chaplain Norris Burks on the importance of gratitude, particularly in the midst of a pandemic. I suspect my neighborhood is much like yours, where some folks use social media to share their thoughts and gripes with anyone who will take the bait. Lately, I've read several comments tying the lack of local service workers to California's substantial unemployment benefits. They're getting too much money, one post said. If you cut their benefits, they'll be glad to bust dishes or pump gas, claimed another. The notion persists despite the fact that study after study continues to debunk such classism. Well, I have another theory I'd like to propose this post-Labor Day. Perhaps the lack of help can be traced to the bankruptcy of thankfulness among those people repeating such bunk. 
I began testing my theory early last spring, and I think I'm spot on. In one example, I stepped into McDonald's to order their buy one, get one, their BOGO sandwich deal. Yep, I can eat too. The shift manager kindly took my order while simultaneously relaying bilingual orders over her headset. Ten minutes later, I'd consume my meal, and I returned to the counter to apply my theory. I brought a message that I'd been sharing with pretty much every minimum wage worker I meet. Service station, cashiers, dressing room attendants, and car wash crews. I want to say thank you, I told her. Thank you for working now and being here through this whole damn mess. Her eyes took on a soft glisten. We both knew what I meant by this whole damn mess. I've been here the entire time, she said, pride soaking through her mask. I never left. That's amazing, I said, adding a bogo dose of thanks. Ironically, early in this pandemic, the woman found herself among service workers in America being called heroic and essential. Now she's at risk of being attacked, harassed, or even killed for asking her customers to put on a mask. She's labored long hours through supply shortages and lax safety protocols. I couldn't help but wonder, are our food workers famished for gratitude? Have even one in ten of their daily customers voiced a genuine thank you? There's a biblical story about Jesus considering the same odds when he was approached by ten men inside the Samaritan border. They all suffered from leprosy, so they immediately placed their order for a grande cup of healing. Jesus answered their pleas and healed them and then sent them off to the priest to obtain their back-to-work clearances. But when only one of them returned to thank the Son of God for supersizing his grace, Jesus asked, Were there not ten men healed? Where are the other nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this one outsider? In a day in which our world is looking for a healing, this story from Luke chapter 17 demonstrates that nothing heals like gratitude. I witnessed this truth firsthand as I turned to leave the Golden Arches. The supervisor yelled back to her kitchen crew a message in Spanish. El hombre dice que le da las gracias por su arduo trabajo durante la pandemia. Now, I'm only applying the context here, but I understood her to say, the man says thank you for the hard work during the pandemic. From my exit door... I overheard her crew respond with warm tones of surprise. I don't speak Spanish, and perhaps neither do you, but I think we can all speak gratitude. It's a universal language. Say it, express it, and teach it. It will forever heal. The views expressed on this show are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors. That's our newscast for tonight. If you missed some of Chaplain Burke's commentary or wish to know more about FEMA's individual assistance programs, you can listen to the full extended version of commentaries and interviews on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. We get support from the Nevada County Registrar of Voters. Vote centers are open throughout Nevada County daily from 8 to 5, also 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Election Day, Tuesday, September 14th. 
encouraging early voting, information at mynevadacounty.com slash elections, and The Pizza Joint, offering New York-style pizzas by the slice or pie, cheese and meatball manicotti, and more. Open daily, takeout or curbside pickup for social distancing. Commercial Street, Nevada City, thepizzajointnc.com. Coming up at 6.30 is The Sages Among Us. Tonight, host Brian Buckley speaks to 2020 Nevada County Teacher of the Year, Robert Metcalf. Metcalf is a Nevada Union drama teacher and lead for the Arts Council Education Committee. Then at 7, we bring you Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.